Hello, Hope Brooklyn. I am so excited to be with you today. It is such a privilege to get to bring the word of God to you on this weekend. Gosh, I love your pastors. Uh, pastor Russell, your lead pastor and his wife, Anna. Russell is one of the most creative storytellers I've ever met. Russell has this capacity to tell the story of the Bible and then drop these really complex theological frameworks in. And you're sitting on the edge of your seat, just waiting to hear more. And his wife, Anna, is such a great compliment to him. She's so creative and life giving and relational. They are really amazing leaders and you're privileged to be led by them. They have laid down their lives for you and it is such an honor to get to serve you through them this weekend. I love who you are. I love your faith community. I love the essence and the ethos of what brings you together on mission. You are a community of people who are a crowd and disciples. You have this ability to hold faith and doubt and live in the paradox of both. This is the quintessential human experience of how we apply our faith day in and day out. You're a community of the story. You see a relationship with God, not as a system, but as something to be experienced, the backdrop to your life. You are people who eat together. And man, I love Brooklyn. Like walking your streets, your culture, your vibe, all of your city and all of the art and the restaurants. About every half block, you guys have incredible restaurants and coffee shops and places to grab a bite to eat. And it's so unique that this is integral to how you gather as a faith community. This is part of what sets you apart. I love that you are people who are on mission with the life of Jesus, not just the ministry. The life of Jesus is so often overlooked by the church. This is something that is the experience of us as followers of his way. And you're these kind of people. You wade into the muck and the mire of real life over a table and breaking bread and sharing story and connecting in the grit of what's going on in our Monday experiences. You're people who are resilient. Right now, more than ever, New Yorkers, you are resilient. You are a people of the way. And this morning, I hope that this encourages you as we kind of talk through some scripture and begin to talk about the context of our cultural climate and what this looks like for you and for I. I live in Austin. Uh, Texas is everything you would picture. It's big, it's westerny, it's beefy. Everything is bedazzled. There is a lot of things that have uh, stars, the Texas star and the emblem on it. And you know, one of the things about Texas, it's really hot. Like it's annoyingly hot. It's so hot, you don't walk places, you drive everywhere. Because if you walk, you'll be melted. You'll be a puddle of a human and that's not a good look for anybody. And in this pandemic, uh, this collective kind of experience that we have had globally where we are sharing in this sort of collective grief and this anxiety and unknown of what's happening, we have had an adjustment to our life. So we've taken up these new practices. Uh, we have taken up baking. I'm, I'm not a baker. Uh, I don't bake and the outcomes of my baking efforts are rarely good, but I take up baking more as a pastime. It's something to do while we're at home. And then we've taken up walking in our neighborhood. And I told you, Texas is hot, so we don't walk. Uh, we don't go outdoors very often because it's really hot, like puddle human kind of hot. But we've taken up walking. And as we've walked, we've noticed things that we would ordinarily have missed if we were driving or maybe even moving at the speed that life was at pre-pandemic. And in our neighborhood, there's this little bird the black and white and brown bird. We've named her, we've actually claimed stake to her life. Uh, she's our family bird now and her name's Henrietta. And Henrietta has this clairvoyant mission of her life. Henrietta has built out a nest on the ground. Apparently she's a ground bird. 
and uh, she's pulled out these rocks and these twigs and kind of carved out this little nest. And Henrietta has four teal speckled eggs. They're extraordinary. I mean, they're just these tiny bright gems that are sitting in the middle of her nest. And we walk by her nest every day waiting for the arrival of those babies. And when we walk by her nest, she is steadfast, immovable, resolute to her task. Henrietta stays put. She kind of gives us the weird side eye, like, what are you doing? Are you going to come and take my babies? I'm going to get you. But she doesn't move. She's committed. She just stays planted there on her nest. And then we've walked by with our dog. And well, our dog is convinced that Henrietta is a snack. And so she goes wild and wants to eat her. And we're trying to pull her away. And I think this is like the moment. She's going to depart her nest and she's going to bolt. She's going to leave. She's going to like abandon her eggs because my dog is going nuts trying to eat her. And she doesn't. She just stands there and looks and stares down my dog with this kind of fierce tenacity. Like she's not at all shaken that my dog wants to eat her and probably will if we gave her the opportunity. You know, as I begin to think about Henrietta, my neighborhood bird, my seven-year-old, uh, he's really kind of owned Henrietta. And so we found this other family that was walking by and, and he, they were like, oh, you know the bird too. You come to see her too. That's cool. And my son exclaims, oh yeah, she's our bird. We named her Henrietta. So we've kind of really adopted her. And I began to reflect about Henrietta. I began to think about her commitment to what she's doing. She's in this period where she's nested and she's laid these eggs and she has stayed her post when circumstances have been really challenging. I feel like if Henrietta can have that kind of commitment to her call, that kind of commitment to her mission, that kind of commitment to these four little teal speckled eggs, what about me? What about my life? What about how I function in the call that Jesus has upon me? Do I have that kind of resolute focus? You see, you and I, we share this DNA. In our spiritual history, for the ages, we enter in with the saints. And the story of our history goes something like this. You and I, we are a scattered people. We are a sent people. We were always meant to be scattered and the church has always flourished in the face of adversity. I think sometimes for us, especially in America, we've forgotten that we are a scattered people. We're the sent ones. We've gathered to celebrate what God has done, but really in this period where we are scattered throughout our communities, gathering with limitations, that we enter into the history of the ages into the history of our spiritual DNA, and we tap into some old wells that remind us of who we are. If you brought a Bible, uh, if you're going to look on your phone even, I'm going to read to you out of the message paraphrase. The message is like the story of God. It tells it in this beautiful language and illustrative metaphor of the backdrop of what is happening. So we're going to be in, Ma in John chapter 1. I'm going to read to you verse 3, and I want you to just catch what he's saying here. The word was first, the word present to God, God present to the word. The word was God in readiness for God from day one. Everything was created through him. Nothing, not one thing came into being without him. What came into existence was life and the life was light to live by. Verse nine continues on. The life light, I love that word for God, the life light blazed out of the darkness and the darkness couldn't put it out. The word became flesh and blood. Check this out. 
and moved into the neighborhood. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I want you to hold on to that thought. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. What has been transformative in my life is the crucifixion. When I look at myself in light of the crucifixion, when I consider myself into the call that Jesus has on me in the light of the cross, when I commit myself in the posture of surrender, which is ultimately seen in the image of the crucifixion. It is in these places that deep transformative work can happen, which ultimately changes the environments that I encounter and am a part of. Our global community has been affected through the effects of COVID-19. We've entered into this collective experience. You in New York, me in Austin, people around the world. Where we've come into this place across the nation where we're, we're navigating a new landscape with new complexities. There's a sense of palpable anxiety and anxiousness when you leave your home and go about your business. Your city is a place that's close to my heart. I love Brooklyn. I love your culture. I love your art. I love your people. I love who you are. But it's been a tough run, right? Our lives don't look like anyone intended. I promise you, no one's January 1st New Year's resolution said that somewhere in the middle of July, we'd be sitting still trying to figure out if the pandemic's ever gonna end, if we're ever gonna get to the other side. And now with new restrictions and new limitations and new de hope deferred about getting back to what was. And as we enter into the story, Across the world, we've been sheltered and disconnected, we've been limited, and we've been looking at the remains of our life from the inside of our homes, disconnected, isolated. But as we engage into John's words, and we look at the story of what God is telling us through John 1, he uses this language and imagery about Jesus, it's metaphor, and he describes the word. Jesus epitomizes the word. And when God spoke words, worlds were created. Genesis tells us that when he spoke words, galaxies were formed. I wonder what could happen with the words that we speak in the context of our own life. And he describes the word, and you can kind of get this picture of the Spirit of God hovering over the atmosphere, a blank atmosphere that then there was a word and then there was beginning to be form and life and light and the light blazed out of the darkness. Verse one tells us that the word was first and the word was present to God and God present to the word and the word was God. And in readiness from God, day one, everything was created through him. Nothing, not one thing came into being without him. Then John carries on to tell us, we came into existence and that was life, and the life was light to live by. The life light blazed out of the darkness and the darkness couldn't put it out. This is your mission, Hope. This is who you are. You are the life light blazing out of the darkness, going out into your community, into your cities, into your neighborhoods, entering into his story and tasked with setting people free healing them with the power of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of the living God, and showing the way to destiny and purpose.
How do we live from the limits of our gatherings? How do we actually contextualize this in a way and live out our calling from a place of isolation? C.S. Lewis says uh, something about this. Mountaintops are views for inspiration, but fruit, fruit's grown in the valleys. Perhaps this is a time where we need a mountaintop perspective of the kingdom, and perhaps we've gotten a little short-sighted in our sight lines. You have a history through the ages of the saints of a being a scattered people who flourish in the face of adversity. And the text goes on to say in verse 13, the life light blazed out of the darkness and the darkness could not put it out. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. This is you. You are the embodiment of Jesus. You are the extension of who Jesus is in your neighborhood. It's you that extends this picture of who he is and it's tangible, it's flesh and blood, it's I can touch and feel. It's you that sits across the table and you're an ambassador for the kingdom. Let's bring this a little bit further, maybe where we're living. As you've been living with limits, what have you learned as you've examined your life? These limits that we've been living in, the context of our current climate, it's allowed our fractures and maybe the areas of our life and our spiritual journeys that are not as fortified to emerge and we kind of go, whoa, I didn't know that was there. I didn't realize that I had that going on. I didn't realize that all of this wrestling and toil was happening inside of me. What about your relationship with Jesus? Can you only hear him in the signs and the wonders and the miracles and the corporate gathering? Or are you able to hear Jesus' whisper in the darkness, in the middle of despair, when anxiety is welling up? Are you able to identify the voice of the shepherd when everything around you looks grim? When we're filled with fear and doubt, can we still remain faithful to the call? For us to become and to be kingdom people, we kind of have to have a little Henrietta spirit. My neighborhood bird, man, she gets this kingdom principle so well. She was clear about her call. Henrietta was super clear. She had marching orders. She had laid some eggs. She'd built a nest, and she was going to protect those eggs until they were born. Those, uh, those four little eggs hatched. They took off. They went on to be happy birds. But Henrietta, she held her post. She was immovable, steadfast. She was clear about her call no matter what happened in her circumstances. Hope Brooklyn, are you that clear about the call that Jesus has on your life? Has this been a season where maybe that call's been tested as we sit in the center of a pandemic in the middle of limitations and all the complexities that come with that? Has your call to Jesus gotten shaky? Has it been rattled? Has your commitment become circumstantial? I'm committed to Jesus so long as my circumstances afford that commitment. When the world is melting down around us and the spiritual fortitude within us needs to rise up and hold our post, to not shrink back, but to draw closer to Jesus, inhabiting the neighborhood with the love and the expansiveness of the nature of who God is. The kingdom is advanced through relationships. This comes by way of new relationships being formed, old relationships being strengthened, and broken relationships being reconciled. It doesn't take very much to look around. There's a lot of opportunity for broken relationships to be reconciled. 
This is a moment for you and I as the church to sit our place in the center of reconciliation, bridging the gap for people on the left and the right, bridging the gap for uh, opponents and adversaries to come together in open dialogue. This is a moment for you and I to really get clear about our call. In December, my family had the privilege of being in New York. Uh, We were in Times Square around Christmas. Times Square was bananas. There were so many people. I've never seen that many people in such a small area. Like it was, I don't know how many people, a lot. So we're five of us in our family and we're really tall people, like all of us. But I have a seven-year-old, so he's got a seven-year drag between his middle brother and the little one. He, so he's way behind on the like height continuum. So we're walking through Times Square and there's so many people like crowding against us and pushing and shoving and he was starting to feel overwhelmed. And at one point, the crowd had crowded in so tight that they picked him up with the momentum of the crowd and were carrying him forth, his feet no longer touching the ground. He literally couldn't navigate the crowd and he lost all sensibility to be able to set his own course because the momentum of the crowd had swept him up. When I look at the cultural context of today, I feel like this is a little bit of what's happening. The intensity and the amplification of our cultural moment in history, it's so much that the momentum of that can envelop us and sweep us up where we no longer have our footing. But you see, if you and I are gonna be these kingdom people, we have to get clear about our call, but we have gotta be faithful to the end. That means that we have to press against that, press against that momentum to find our footing to keep moving forward in the direction that Jesus has asked of us. And it occurred to me that we have to find our way. We don't have an option to tap out. This is not a moment for us to be silent. This is not a moment to shrink back. This is a moment to lean in. This week I was interviewed uh, by a high schooler and she asked me this question. She said, Wendy, what's your favorite moment with Jesus? And I thought my favorite moment with Jesus, I've never been asked this before. And I thought about it, kind of reflected for a minute. And as I thought about it, I thought, I don't have a favorite moment with Jesus. It's like asking me, what's my favorite moment with my husband? We've been married for almost 20 years. Most people would assume that's your wedding day. But the love that we built over 20 years, it didn't happen on our wedding day. Our wedding day was like a memory. It was like a good party that we had. But my favorite moments with my husband are every day. It's the waking up, it's the going to sleep, it's the talking while we're doing dishes. It's the getting ready for our day and just having connection. And it's so similar with Jesus, my favorite moments with Jesus. I've had, a, I've had so many cool things happen being a follower of Jesus, but none of them are my favorite. My favorite is walking with him in the everyday, in the in-between, in the coming and going, in the car, in the shower, while I'm walking, while I'm driving. I'm in constant dialogue with Jesus, and it's these moments over a long period of time of walking together and being together, these are my favorite moments. I realized that the question that she posed really came from a different cultural context than I was answering. She was looking for the Instagram highlight reel of my faith. What's the Instagrammable moment, Wendy, with Jesus? And I didn't have that answer because you see the relationship that you cultivate with Jesus in the intimacy and the privacy of your life never makes it on Instagram. It's not the moment you wanna capture and promote because it's mundane. 
It's the ministry of the mundane. It's the ordinary. This is where our lives happen. Sometimes I think we're seeking the mountaintop experience and we miss the journey from here to there. We miss what's happening right in front of us because we're looking for the next great thing. But right here, right now, in your living room, at your table, in your office, wherever you're gathered today, this is ministry. This is the ministry of the mundane. This is the thing we're called to. It's the going from here to there. I think most of Jesus's ministry happening, traveling from here to there, in the bridges between the paragraphs, you know those little headers in your Bible that tell us what miracles were happening? I think his life occurred in between those pockets, the things that were never captured, never recorded, in the breaks and the intentional lapse in what we have through the text that's provided, which is why it's a story. The God story that God is doing through Hope Brooklyn, through your life, that happens in between here and there. Faithful to the end is gonna require for us to be resilient. And resiliency is a muscle that we develop and we build over time. Resiliency only happens when there is resistance. And I think right now we can all say that there's a lot of resistance. There's a lot of things pulling us back, like the tension of a rubber band. Resilient discipleship, it sounds beautiful, poetic, sounds cool. I want to be resilient. I want to be a disciple. To have intimacy with Christ means that we enter into the suffering of Christ. We enter into the crucifixion story. We enter into laying down our lives in a posture of surrender for those around us. That's the way of the cross. This posture says that my life is not my own. I'm yielded and surrendered unto the one who leads my life, Jesus. And the advancement of this day and age where there's so many voices and it can feel like that crowd in Times Square at Christmas, that they're gonna envelop us and carry us into a future that we weren't certain we wanted to live. I wanna encourage you to be clear about the call, be faithful to the end with your feet firmly planted in the word so that you can be sober about your decisions and your engagements and the trajectory of the future because your words create worlds. Would you pray with me? I'm gonna ask wherever you're seated right now to bow your heads and close your eyes. And we're just gonna have this moment where you're gonna reflect and connect with God, the creator. God is telling a story through your life. And I don't know the details of that story, but I know that he's doing something of a kingdom culture that's being birthed in you to be released through you. And if you decide that Jesus is gonna be the way the leader of your life, then it, it means that you're entering into, you're entering into his purposes, which is the way of the crucifixion. It's the posture of surrender. So the question really becomes, are you willing to lay down your life? And when you lay down your life, are you willing to exchange your ways for God's ways? And when you rise up, are you willing to have words that create worlds according to his will? And so Jesus, I pray that for every person right now that's just kind of taking a minute to reflect the state of affairs in their own life, as they're taking this moment to just do an internal inventory, examining 
gosh, with all of these limits and restrictions, what's left? Where am I at? Would you, by the power of your spirit, begin to descend on them in such a way that they see with new, fresh eyes the story that you're telling through them, the kingdom culture that you've deposited within them that is taking root and taking life and will emanate from them to create new worlds throughout Brooklyn with the words that they create, that their words would shape worlds and that the community would be inhabited by the presence of your love because these people these are sent ones. They are ones who have been scattered for the sake of flourishing. They're ones who have a resilient spirit. They're ones who know which conversation to engage, which dialogue to get into, and the stewardship of their words would create new worlds and opportunities for others around them. So Jesus, would you breathe your spirit upon them that they would emerge from this weekend, from this time of being with you and, and, and depositing into your word like the life light that blazed out of the darkness. May it be so in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen.